Chapter Fifteen of A Soldier's Letters to Charming Nelly. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Asterix. A Soldier's Letters to Charming Nelly by J. B. Polly. Chapter Fifteen. Foraging for Hogmeats chattanooga tennessee october the twenty third eighteen sixty three amid the many hair-breadth scapes i the imminent deadly breach that have fallen to my lot one that occurred the other day was so amusing and brought with it such a sense of triumph that i must relate it it will prove to you my right to echo the boast of henry the sixth that thus far our fortune keeps an upward course and we are graced with wreaths of victory when i read these lines to bill calhoun yesterday he fell into improvisation saying yes twas a victory in the shape of a hog that you brought into camp suspended from a log and was so big and so fat so juicy and greasy as your conscience and stomach both to make easy appetite comes with eating to the gourmand but to the texans in bragg's army it comes with fasting blue beef and musty cornmeal have not only become monotonous but as the boys say we have soured on em anyhow jim somerville and i while on picket together decided it was a duty we owed ourselves and the confederacy to variegate our eating and on the following day we went five miles to the rear and engaged in a diligent search for quadrupeds of the porcine persuasion lacking acquaintances among the citizens as well as money or credit we proposed as a dernier ressort a secret impressment and to effect our purpose with due dispatch one carried a bel duque and the other a gun luck favoured us in the search for about the middle of the afternoon we found ourselves in a secluded glade and in near proximity to a couple of fair-sized and well-fed hogs face to face with the brutes my conscience grew tender and i suggested to my companion that we should wait for them to begin hostilities it was my first experience in that kind of foraging you know but somerville was built of sterner stuff and crying damfido took careful aim at the larger and fatter of the two porkers and pulled the trigger but alas for his hopes how true it is that the best laid schemes of men and mice gang aft aglay the cap upon which so much depended failed in our time of greatest need and to our chagrin and mortification neither of us could find another look and feel as diligently as we might in the recesses of our well-worn garments truly it was an exasperating predicament for two hungry texans to be standing within twenty feet of the very game for which they had hunted so long minus the one thing needful a gun-cap even the hogs laughed at us that is if a constant turning up of dirty noses and a succession of seemingly contemptuous grunts may be called laughing notwithstanding the spasm of honesty which had prompted me to suggest delay i felt the disaster so keenly that i lost my temper and began reproaching somerville for not coming better provided with ammunition 
but paying no heed to me and silent as a sphinx he continued mechanically the search of his person suddenly a rapturous smile lighted up his homely features and he exclaimed by the great holy moses joe if i haven't found a cat way down in the corner of this old shirt pocket i'll be everlastingly damned and so indeed he had and in less than half a minute the body of the larger hog lay lifeless on the sward and twenty minutes later its carcass skinned except as to head and feet was tied up in a linen tent cloth and suspended from a pole was on the way to camp before setting out on the expedition we had agreed upon our respective qualifications and the part each of us was to perform somerville's natural and acquired hog sense especially adapted him to command in all matters pertaining to search capture and transportation on the other hand my glibness of tongue and my acquaintance with the ways and habits of the enemy in this case captain scott's provost pointed to me as leader and spokesman in saving the bacon and its captors from confiscation arrest and court-martial the last being now that we were under brag a fate well worth dreading so when at last the hog was lifted on to our shoulders somerville retired to a subordinate position and i assumed the direction of affairs and dressed in a little brief authority immediately proceeded to commit a grave and inexcusable blunder instead of boldly selecting a highway on which to travel i let timidity govern and chose a little travelled route as a result while all went well for a couple of miles at the first open ground a dozen or more shining bayonets slowly sinking out of view behind a hill over which the road ran gave warning of danger as these indicated the presence of provost guards no sooner did i catch sight of them than i ordered a halt and assisting somerville to deposit our capture on a log said to him what do you think we'd better do old fellow but he was tired and having done his part of the directing was unwilling to assume further responsibility and between whiffs of his pipe only replied damn fino a long silence followed this comforting announcement and then i asked do you reckon any of those infernal guards saw us rising slowly to his feet and with a far-away expression in his blue eyes gazing at the sun just then gliding down behind lookout mountain somerville again replied damn fino thus abandoned to my own resources i decided to stay right there until the provo contingent got out of the way but when half an hour afterward we resumed our journey we did not cover a mile ere rounding a point of timber as unsuspectingly as the babes in the woods our little procession ran plump into a squad of the enemy this wholly unlooked-for encounter was terribly demoralizing and at my wit's end for the moment i cast an appealing glance across the hog at the stolid countenance of my partner in trouble but all the reward i got came in a wink which said as plainly as words i told you so again thrown back upon my own resources the emergency restored my composure recognizing the sergeant of the squad as a first texas man i had once befriended 
i gave him an admirable opportunity to reciprocate he was not an ingrate for after inspecting the pass i handed him and although knowing it was a borrowed one he announced his satisfaction and allowed us to proceed much relieved we stepped out for camp at our liveliest lick and for a while rapidly increased the distance between us and the leisurely moving guard suddenly though the sergeant put life into his long legs and overtaking us pointed at the swinging carcass and in a tone of mingled authority and apology said see here fellows isn't that hog-skinned if it is i'll have to take you in out of the wet or those darned georgians with me will report me for failing to do my duty can't you see it isn't skinned i asked pointing to the exposed head and feet and still relying a little on the sergeant's gratitude i was leaning on a broken staff though the georgians had come within hearing and the sergeant was not in the mind to exchange a soft berth as a member of the provost guard for hard service in the ranks of his company and with a provoking smile and in a tone that convinced me of the necessity of an instant change of front he replied you can't work a game of that kind on me my friend and you needn't try to i have got to make sure by an examination well said i as i don't propose either to lie or to have my pork flavoured with dirty hands i'll acknowledge straight out that it is skinned it takes time to heat water and we had none to spare for any such foolishness even though the man we bought from offered to help us i'll have to arrest you then said the sergeant my orders are to arrest every man we catch toting skin meat all right i replied with lofty unconcern obey your orders then but if you want to reach quarters before midnight you and your fellows must do a little of the toting yourselves my first thought when the climax of arrest came was to purchase relief by the surrender of half the hog but while debating in my mind how to broach the subject to the sergeant i heard one of his men smack his lips and say to another great jiminy tom but won't we fellows waller in good eating and grease to-night action look and speech were so unctuously gluttonous and revolting that i resolved to carry my prize to camp if lying and assurance could win therefore the moment we reached the provost guard quarters i requested lieutenant shotwell as good and brave a soldier as ever lived not only to prohibit any interference with the hog but to accompany me and somerville at once to the quarters of general jenkins a hundred yards distant the general sat before a fire in front of his tent reading by the light of a lantern and as we approached looked up with a pleasant smile stepping in front of shotwell and respectfully saluting the general looking boldly and unflinchingly into his eyes caring not that my hat was torn and slouched my trousers greasy and that my big toe protruded conspicuously from the right shoe anxious as never before in my life to combine a respectful suaviter in mode with a convincing fortiter in re i began my plea for liberty saying general 
mr somerville and i are members of company f of the fourth texas and every officer of that regiment from the colonel of it down to a corporal will corroborate my assertion that we are soldiers who never shirk duty in camp on the march or in battle yet sir lieutenant shotwell holds us under arrest on the charge of depredating on the property of citizens the evidence against us being that we have been found in the possession of a partly skinned hog we come to you for release sir when a gentleman and although we are but privates each of us claims to be that buys a hog and pays for it he has a right to skin or scald it whichever process he finds most convenient at this juncture colonel harvey sellers the adjutant-general of the division stepped from a tent and approached the fire and taking instant advantage of the circumstances i continued although not personally known to colonel sellers sir i am sure he knows my people and will testify to their standing even if he cannot as to mine then turning to that gentleman i said colonel my name is polly and my father an old texan used to live in brazoria county texas i knew him well said the colonel extending his hand with the utmost cordiality and i am glad to make the personal acquaintance of a son of his whose reputation i know to be that of a gallant and deserving soldier blushing more at this flattering reception than at the bare-faced attempt in which the colonel soldier gentleman and texan to the core that he was appeared willing to join to pull the wool over the commanding officer's eyes i presented such a touching and pathetic picture of modest merit and suffering innocence that to put me at my ease the general hastened to say i regret exceedingly mr polly that you have been subjected to the indignity of an arrest for an offence of which i am satisfied you are innocent but to refute the oft-repeated charge that hood's division is depredating on the citizens right and left i shall request you and your companion to remain with lieutenant shotwell until morning and then to go with him and show him the party from whom you purchased the hog for a second i was fairly cornered then gathering my wits together i replied another day in the country general would be very pleasant but present acceptance of lieutenant shotwell's hospitality sir would not only compel us to sleep without blankets or discommode him but would also under the peculiar circumstances of the case affect the reputations of myself and mr somerville as good soldiers the lieutenant will excuse me i know for suggesting that a stay in his camp is not considered a distinction worth seeking for besides sir our comrades are hungry pork is both scarce and high-priced and that we have will i am afraid spoil unless cut up and salted to-night oh well said the general after a hearty laugh take the meat to camp at once then and save your bacon but come back in the morning and save the good name of the division in the way i have suggested it is rarely that a soldier's conscientious scruples interfere with his enjoyment of the fruits of a comrade's enterprise the advent of that hog marked an epoch in the annals of company f and was so timely that while frying broiling boiling and roasting it the boys loosened their purse-strings and in less than half an hour handed me a hundred dollars of confederate money to be used in satisfying the owner if he could be found 
Next morning, at daylight, I laid the facts before Captain Kindred, then serving on the staff of Aunt Polly, which, you know, is our pet name for General Robertson. The captain went immediately to General Jenkins, and after long wrestling and prayer, argued and persuaded him into a reasonably lenient frame of mind. That is, Somerville and I must find the owner of the hog, pay a fair price for it, and deliver the receipt to Lieutenant Shotwell. This suited us exactly, and after a long and pleasant ramble we found the right man and paid him twice the amount he demanded. Then, each feeling a peace above all earthly dignities, a still and quiet conscience, we returned to camp to be heartily congratulated upon the fortunate and hunger-satisfying issue of the adventure. But both the congratulations and our self-felicitations were a little too previously premature, as Bill Calhoun took occasion to remark next day. For, stimulated to bold and daring deeds by the sight and smell of our hog-meat, he and Holden suffered themselves to be caught by the provost guard, toting a scrawny, insignificant, lean and lank-skinned shoat toward camp. Unable to convince anybody of their innocence, the shoat, too small to divide, and the boys too timid to tackle Jenkins as I had, their plunder was confiscated, and they themselves were sent to camp under guard for their blankets, and these obtained carried back to the provost guardhouse. Nor was this the sum total of the misfortunes of the day. General Jenkins was riding a high horse, terribly indignant at this second offence by members of the 4th Texas, and the guards had orders to rearrest me and Somerville. Next morning, Captains McLaurin and Kindred had a lengthy and stormy interview with the irate general. That distinguished officer's confidence in human nature was at its lowest ebb, and deeply to my regret, I was the scapegoat on whom he vented the bitterest of his wrathful spleen. McLaurin and Kindred, however, finally talked him into a good humour and after admitting he was most humiliated and exasperated at being so completely taken in by me he washed his hands of both transgressions and delivered the four offenders over to general robertson with the request that he should administer proper punishment aunt polly was no sooner made acquainted with the facts and general jenkins's request than he put on the sternest look his mild and benevolent countenance was capable of wearing and turning on us demanded if you want hog-meat boys and must have it why in the name of common sense and honesty don't you buy it like gentlemen now look here general blurted out bill calhoun stepping up closer and looking him squarely in the face if you know or can invent any way for a private in this confederate army to be a gentleman and buy his grub when he hasn't got the wherewith to pay for a setting hen and when the keen pangs of a never-dying appetite is a-feeding on his vitals like a drove of red ants on a grasshopper it's your duty to your texas constituents sir to make her public and give em a show his public spirit thus appealed to instead of his question answered aunt polly forgot both the request of his commanding officer 
and the grave offences with which the members of his little audience were charged and began to abuse our confederate congress for its miserable makeshift legislation on monetary affairs i am something of a politician myself at any rate i became then very politic i followed the general's lead and for a wonder agreed with him on every point and in a few minutes the old fellow was in the best humour imaginable then calhoun put in his oar again saying look here general isn't it about time we was sort of tending to the imperative business of the occasion business business repeated aunt polly in an absent-minded way oh yes i had forgotten all about the hogmead well if jenkins and longstreet and old bragg think i am going to punish any of my men just for killing a hog now and then they'll find themselves mistaken you boys go right back to camp and behave yourselves and the next time you run across the infernal provo guard flank the damned cusses or the next time you are caught i'll have the last one of you court-martialed now charming nelly please don't draw any unkind and uncharitable inferences from the fact that aunt polly had that very morning breakfasted on broiled spare-ribs an officer of high rank deems it beneath his dignity to inquire where the delicacies which appear on his table come from and i am sure captain kindred was too shrewd a man to volunteer information on the point as for general jenkins captain mclaurin says that while that officer was most bitter in his denunciations of your humble servant he eyed with a look of regretful disgust some exceedingly diminutive and wretchedly spare spare ribs then being roasted for his breakfast at a nearby fire whether he was mentally comparing them with those which a confiscation of mine and somerville's meat would have furnished his table had i made an earlier confession is a question i hesitate to decide of course considering that bill calhoun's pork was confiscated his opinion is entitled to little weight but when i told him what mclaurin said he remarked oh yes mr general south carolina jenkins wanted to confiscate your hog like he did mine and he'd have done it too if you hadn't lied out of it so magnificently he's in cahoot with the provogard i reckon and his share of the little shoat i brought in wasn't half greasy and juicy enough to suit the fastidious epi epi epicurism of his high mighty mightiness and that's what made him look so sour all things considered it was a grave breach of politeness on my part not to offer jenkins a mess of fat pork human nature is pretty much the same in whatever garb it be clothed a thick juicy spare rib tendered in the proper spirit has a wonderfully softening effect on an obdurate heart and in an army whose highest officers are on short commons bill calhoun did me a wrong when he praised my magnificent lying as you will see from the foregoing veracious account i never told jenkins a single time that i had bought and paid for my hog that was an inference of his own as he frankly acknowledged in his interview with the two captains End of chapter fifteen